Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, Eddie Trunk here. Time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading, streaming, checking it out each and every Thursday. You know the deal. Free on all your favorite podcast platforms, including podcastone.com, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Hope you're all having a great week, and here we go with another great interview for you. New shows, of course, every Thursday. As usual, the interviews you hear originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation. Hear it live Monday through Friday in the U.S. and Canada on Sirius XM Channel 106 between 2 and 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Nightly replays 10 to midnight Eastern or anytime you want on the Sirius XM app. Don't forget, sixth radio show for you as well on Sirius XM, Mondays, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time with music and talk. Live on Channel 39, Hair Nation. Got the terrestrial syndicated radio show on in 30-plus cities across America, including New York City, where I'm heard Friday nights, 11 p.m. on Q104.3 and available free on the iHeartRadio app as well. A lot of ways to catch any of the eight broadcasts a week. I generate six of them live on SiriusXM. And of course, this podcast as well counts as one of them. Got a great interview for you this week. It is once again an interview with Neil Sean of Journey. Now, Neil has been a frequent guest, and you've heard him here on this podcast quite often recently. This is a completely new interview, and it's been great to get all this great content and great insights and great stories from a guy that's been doing this now for probably about 50 years in Neil Sean. And he has released, you know, and I reached out to him about this one because he made a really cool solo record at the end of last year called Universe. That is an all instrumental record, which, you know, normally I'm pretty burnt out on those. I mean, they're very monotonous usually, and it's not something I'm really into unless they're very unique in some way. But Neil's is unique in that obviously the playing is great. It's super melodic. And he does some covers and some originals and some instrumental versions of, of Journey songs. Really great stuff. I think you're going to really like the inter, the uh, the record and the interview. Of course, you can get the record anywhere you get your music, and you can get the interview right here in a matter of seconds on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So we talked to Neil about this new solo record, how it came about, the story behind it. 
And of course, we get a journey update. And in this interview, when this aired live a couple weeks ago on my Trunk Nation volume show on Sirius XM, it made a lot of news because Neil says during this interview that Journey is headlining Lollapalooza this year. Now, take note because Neil has the wrong date. He says it's in, it's in April. Lollapalooza is scheduled for the end of July. And nobody knows if it's ever going to be able to happen given the pandemic, but that is the plan right now. But the big news was that Neil announced, and I don't think he realized he probably wasn't supposed to announce it yet, but broke the news that Journey was going to headline Lollapalooza if it indeed does happen in Chicago. Uh, at the, you know, again, he had the wrong month as you're about to hear, but you know, assuming it happens in July, so really interesting uh, that he said all that, and uh, it made a lot of news when he did. But there's other stuff too about the new Journey record, a new Journey song, which, according to Neil, is going to be re- uh, announced imminent, imminently. A single, maybe even released at the time you hear this. Who knows? So I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. It's another one with one of the all-time greats, Neil Sean of Journey, and it's coming your way this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. I remind you, please be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk especially Twitter, where I am most active, Instagram as well, uh, fan page on Facebook, eddytrunk.com is the official online home, music news updated daily there, the blog, which is my trunk report, merch is available on the site, all access membership, you get my terrestrial radio show on demand anytime you want, all sorts of stuff going on there, you can email me through the site, check it out, eddytrunk.com, the official online home, And again, if you're going to do any of the social media, make it Twitter. That is where I am most engaged in terms of keeping you up to date with everything happening. All right, we'll come back and talk to Neil Sean of Journey on this week's podcast coming right up. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, folks, let me tell you something. We got a new year here in this new year of 2021. And everybody's got some sort of New Year's resolution, you know, some sort of new activity, new hobby. Maybe you've uh, vowed to get in shape, get to the gym, whatever the case may be. And whatever your plans are and your New Year's resolutions are, you can make them even better if you have amazing audio and amazing earbuds. And if you want some amazing earbuds, well, I'm holding some right in my hand. They are from Raycon. I've got the E25s. They are awesome. And it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever you're doing, if you're following directions in the kitchen, if you're uh, trying to listen to an audio book or something like that, get the Raycons. Great sound, accessible to everyone. Wireless earbuds. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think having white stems dangling out of your ears looks silly, well, that's something you don't have to worry about with the Raycons because they come in a range of stylish colors. And they're always comfortable, which is the number one thing. You want them to be comfortable because otherwise you don't use them. They've got that great in-ear fit, and they've got a more discreet look. And they don't just look great. Raycons perform wherever you take them with up to six hours of playtime, water and sweat-resistant construction, Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. I'm telling you what, these Raycons are really incredible. You got to check it out. You got to get a pair. Raycon is offering 15% off all of their products 
for my listeners, for listeners here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, here's all you got to do to get that deal. You go to buyraycon.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. That's buyraycon, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash trunk. That's it. Go there, order anything. You'll get 15% off the entire Raycon order. Feel free to grab a pair of these headphones and maybe even a spare set. Anything there. 15% off because you're a listener to the Eddie Trunk podcast. That is 15% off. You just go to buyraycon.com slash trunk, T-R-U-N-K. Again, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash T-R-U-N-K. Buyraycon.com slash trunk. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, let's get to it right now. Neil Sean, my guest of Journey this week on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Enjoy. Neil, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Ed. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I got to tell you, man, you know, as I said a few seconds ago, I've been lucky enough to have you on this show a few times this year for various things, and never once did you mention a new solo record in the can. Where the hell did this record come from? (laughs) Well, you know what? I kind of forgot about it for a second because uh, it was finished about close to three years ago. And, um, you know, I didn't quite know when I wanted to put it out. And it was just sitting on the shelf and I kind of moved on and started working on uh, more new material uh, with Narda, Michael Walden uh, for Journey and so it, you know, everybody kept on saying well, I think you should release now, then now, you know, and kind of give me all these different ideas about what was good and what wasn't good and, and I just felt like after the year that we've been through this last year has been so tough on everyone and I really felt like it's it's a good feel record. It makes you feel good. There's a spiritual thing to it for myself. And I felt like it's time to come with this record, uh, even with no preparation, with PR or anything, or really even a label. I just chose to put it out myself and, uh, you know, in a digital domain. And now I'm going to be coming with uh, CDs very shortly and double a custom final set. Oh man, I'd love to get a CD from you because um, that's still my favorite format, and I, I love turning everything off and sliding one in and listening to it on a on a great stereo. And this album is going to be amazing like that. So Neil, there's a lot I want to ask you about on this record because I really and I, I I've been telling my audience about it for the last few weeks because it really blew me away. But you mentioned Narda Michael Walden, who of course is now the new drummer in Journey. But you, you mentioned this record being two, three years ago and working with him on it at that time. I, I know you had history with him, but did did him work? Did you working with him on this record have, have a role in, in almost a, not necessarily an audition, but knowing that he would be the right guy to join Journey as well? You know what? To be honest, it did not. Um, I didn't at the time when we did the record, um, you know, everything was fine in the camp and, uh, you know, didn't give it second thought. Uh, mm. when, when things kind of went south, we're still trying to fix that right now, but we do have a record coming out regardless, uh, you know, starting in February. Uh, 
um, you know, Randy Jackson was the first one that was brought up uh, because he'd been in the band before. He's an amazing bassist and guy. And so uh, we kind of went to Randy, like, who would you like to play with? And he said, Narda. And so those guys have a, a track record that's undeniable. And, man, they sound amazing together. And so um, we just went with that and, you know, continue to make this journey record, uh, you know, like through Zoom. And I'm looking forward to getting in a room. And actually just I'm dying to get on stage again. And so we have our first date booked uh, for Lollapalooza, and we're headlining in Chicago. Um, Oh, wow. And that's uh, supposedly in April. Hopefully that'll not get pushed back because vaccine is finally here. And hopefully they start dispersing it very quickly so everybody can get back on their feet and um, could get out and hear music because that's what makes, that kind of heals the world, I think. Yeah, that's a really interesting booking, though, for I didn't even realize that's a journey at Lollapalooza, because we all know Lollapalooza is sort of like usually billed as like the this this alternative music festival, although it's evolved into having pop and hip hop and all these things on it now. But they usually do have one, you know, more at least one sort of classic based rock act on there. So you guys are are on, I would imagine, a bill that's probably pretty eclectic, right? Yeah, I have not seen the bill. All I know is we're headlining it. And um, we I can guarantee you, Eddie, that uh, with the new blood in the band, and when we get together for two weeks to rehearse before that show, we will be the new alternative. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to add a lot to the show. We're going to, you know, bring some new dynamics and open things up a bit and show people, you know, what the musicianship is really like in this band. Yeah, and it also, look, that just speaks to the history of Journey as well, because the music you've made crosses over to so many different boundaries. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody, no matter what kind of music they're into, that doesn't love and appreciate the music of Journey. So that just speaks volumes with the reach that the music you've created in your career has, that it doesn't matter young, old, middle-aged, what whatever the, the stuff is around you, I'm sure you've been in in situations like that before where you guys can get up there with the hits you have, the catalog you have, and hold your own with anybody. Yeah, you know, one year I remember we played in in Europe somewhere, and it was a festival that we had never been on before. And it was a heavy metal festival, and it was with Marilyn Manson, okay? So mm. I decided, because it was a really different type of gig for us, I decided to walk out on stage before we went out uh, and take a look at the audience and try to sum it up of what I felt like we should put in our set. And so I walk out there, and it was like 90% guys, right? They all had, like, makeup on and, like, black, black, <laughs> black, black, you know? And I'm like, guys, you know what? I think we ought to play, like, a lot of B-sides of our heaviest records and forget about a lot of the ballads. And so we did. We reconstructed our set. And it was the first time they saw us, but we killed it. And so we do have everything sitting there kind of that was proof for myself and the rest of the band that we can, you know, sort of get added to any type of show and accommodate it um, with with the many facets that the band is. But you know what's funny about that, Neil? If you would have went out there and played faithfully and open arms, 
I'm sure they would have absolutely loved that as well. I, I remember I read recently, I think it was Gene Simmons saying that Kiss was on some really extreme metal festivals in Europe and they were wondering, should we really play I Was Made for Loving You? And they put it in the set and you had all these guys in, you know, totally gothed out with every piercing hanging out of their head <laughs> with logos on their shirts. You couldn't even read all this death metal and they're sitting there pumping their fists singing I Was Made for Loving You. So I would guarantee you, you're stu- no matter what you played probably would have went over <laughs> you know what we did we did so well that i believe we came back on stage and we played faithfully and it, it, they went nuts and so you're right yeah <laughs> <laughs> let me wild. let me before we before we talk about journey a little more because there's obviously some stuff i want to ask you there to get an update i just want to go back to this universe record so if people have followed you throughout this whole year on social media, and I encourage everybody to follow Neil on, on Twitter, which I do, or uh, whatever the social media platform, every day it seems like you're on there playing some guitar for your fans and and just connecting with them and, and putting something out there visually for people to enjoy. So you seem like you're a guy that's always playing. You always got the guitar in your lap. Are, are you, you, you mentioned Universe was sitting there for a few years. Did, are you somebody that is constantly recording stuff? Do you have this bank of material that is just an archive that you just can put out basically whenever you feel the time is right? You know what, Eddie? I, I do play, and the reason I play is because I love guitar, you know, and I love music. It was the reason that I started playing years ago was for no other reason, and it's still the reason that I play today. Um, and so, yeah, I play, I try to play every day. And, you know, I'm not afraid of uh, putting up something that doesn't necessarily sound like a song or perfect, because I just started doing it, and fans started reaching out on my page and going, wow, this makes me feel really good today. Thank you. You know, I had a really rough day, and this COVID is just hell, and you know, you lightened up my day. And so the more, you know, enthusiasm I, I got from fans like that, I started doing it more and more. And um, it was my way of staying connected to them. But yes, you know, as far as musical ideas, I have tons of musical ideas. I didn't record them professionally. I just take out the iPhone like an old cassette recorder. And, you know, a lot of people give me crap about the, the crappy sound, but it's just going through the condenser mic of the phone. And it's not really, I'm not doing it to sound like a record every time, you know, right. uh, it's just showing, giving people an inside of what, how I work and how I come up with ideas. But, you know, I have, uh, everything is kind of stored in my brain. And then the little clips uh, that I've been putting up there, and there's plenty of ideas I feel that, that will become great songs. Yeah. So in in the case of this album Universe, it is you've done solo records before. This one for people who haven't heard it is all instrumental. It's a mix of original music and covers. It goes in a lot of directions musically. And what what's astonishing about it, Neil, is is look, I've always loved your playing because I love great guitar players, but I love great melody and great tone, and obviously that's one of your signatures. But but tell me about the challenges of doing an all instrumental record because what is so brilliant about this record as I listen to it is you don't have a singer on it. But you you play basically what would be the vocal melody line on guitar, and it's just beautiful. Talk about the approach of making a record like this and, and how you do it. Okay, well, you know, this um, 
you know, it's not my first solo record that I made that was instrumental. There's many out there, but most of them I produced myself. And it got, you know, you kind of need a, a, a producer or a songwriter. In that case, it was Narda Michael Walden to reel you in. And, you know, I had played with Narda for many years, like just jamming. Uh, you know, I'd get up and play in the Bay Area bandies or whatever with Jonathan years back with Randy Jackson, you know. And uh, we played the Crossroads Festival, Eric Clapton's Crossroads Festival years back. And, you know, we always had a great time playing live on stage, and it was pretty much impromptu. And so I ran into him um, a few, like about four years ago, uh, down at a mall, and it was right around Christmas time. And I and I started talking to him, and I said, "Why don't you write me a record?" You know, I know that you you've done all these projects, you've written amazing stuff for Jeff Beck, like off the Wired record and uh, with Jan Hammer. And I said, "I really I don't want to sound like Jeff Beck." I said, "Every guitarist in the world wants to sound like Jeff Beck, but you know, there's one Jeff Beck, and we need to leave him alone." But you know what I sound like, and it's a melody, and it's blues, and it's soul, and it's kind of all mixed together. I said I want some kind of like, you know, symphonic blues record mixed with some funk and, you know, fusion and rock. And so he goes, okay, you want me to do that? And I said, great. And so he called me five days later, and he said, come down to the studio and check this out. I've got some, like, six ideas I wrote for you. And I'm thinking to myself, how could he do it that fast? And so I go down there, and sure enough, he's got, like, the drum tracks laid. He plays uh, keyboards, and he's an arranger, obviously, and writer. Uh, and the melodies on the songs that he wrote, uh, which are pretty much everything that's original on this record, uh, he was singing with his voice, okay? And so I, he said, why don't you? And I was, like, really blown away, and I go, Come on, Narda. I say, you must have had this stuff on the shelf uh, meant for, for Jeff or somebody else. And he said, no, honest to God, I just wrote this out of the blue. And so I went, wow, this guy is like so prolific. It's unbelievable. And so I took it home. He said, take it home, get familiar with it. I did so. And uh, I called him about five days later and I came back. And uh, he says, okay. So we started with the opening track something in your heart, uh, something in the heart. And uh, I started playing and uh, was going through the first verse and I started kind of, um, you know, doing my own thing to his melody, right? Which was very simple. And he goes, whoa, 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 stop, stop. And he goes, what are you doing? And I go, well, I'm just doing my thing, man. And he goes, no, man. He goes, you need to play that melody. And I go, oh, you want me to play exactly what you sang? And he said, yeah, mm. of course I do. <laughs> so I, it was my first experience um, with a producer and songwriter uh, working like that and having him produce me. And so, you know, it took me like a couple of seconds to fall into. But once I got the niche of it, it was like it was pretty easy. And, you know, not easy. I don't want to say easy, but I learned you know, what he wanted me to do and then was able to, to dig in with, you know, way fewer notes, uh, which is actually harder to do. It's harder to play less notes and make it sound soulful, pretty much like a vocal. Uh, mm. It's easier to just shred 
You know, there's a zillion guys out there and women nowadays that just shred, shred, shred all day long uh, with gymnastics on the guitar like I've never seen before. Um, but, you know, what really hits people, I, I do believe in, I believe in melody and song, you know. And yeah. so uh, I think we we hit it off, you know, and I loved what he wrote and I loved what I heard back. And it was just we were, you know, off and running and. You know, I had to do it in between a couple different tours because we were touring at the time and um, and he was working on different projects as well. And so, you know, I'd work for a week, then I'd come, you know, I'd go out on tour for three months and then I'd come back for a couple of weeks and I'd go in for another five days. And, you know, we pretty much completed it like that over a year, you know, spread out, not like a year uh, in the studio. It's only probably about three weeks to a month to finish everything. But, you know, that, um, that that's, that's a, that, but Neil, that's a huge point you make. And probably one of the reasons why I love this record so much, because there are a million great guitar players out there and there are some really great guitar instrumental records, but I find, and I'm not a guitar player myself, but as much as I appreciate what uh, some people can do technically with the guitar, I believe for me, some of it to listen to gets a bit monotonous after a while. It's kind of like it, it's it's too much. It's it's not something you can really hum along to. This what what makes this record for me so special is not only your playing, but the way you're playing. That you've got everything in there. You've got the melody of what would be a vocal line that you can really hang on to. And then, sure, you've got some fireworks along the way as well. So to me, that's that's what makes it so cool. You also have a mix of originals and some covers, which I'm going to touch on in a second. So that, to, to me, just as a fan, a lot of guitar instrumental records can get to be too much if they're too over the top and there's just no variety in them. Um, but what you're doing with this and the melody you inject into it is and the, the tone and the taste and the soulfulness is, you know, look, they're all signatures of your playing for 50 years. I get that. But I just think it's what really makes this stand out versus other uh, instrumental guitar albums. It's not some crazy shred album of you just going off. There's some of that, but it's it's all based in melody. Yeah, you know, I think, um, the, you know, the thing that I have that I wish that the younger players today would dig into older records, you know, and check out the roots of, of everything, which is blues, you know, um, mm. I really dug into and, and played with BB King and Albert King and, and, you know, love Michael Bloomfield and Eric Clapton and Paige and Jeff Beck and Jimi Hendrix, you know, those, those, artist right there still to this day you can put on anything they've done and it sounds timeless because it's soulful now today what i'm hearing are a lot of gymnastics you know they're they're sped up scales and you know what to be honest i've never studied a scale in my life i've never really studied theory what i did study were singers and horn players and i love mm. aretha franklin and I studied her vibrato, her blues movement, even as a kid when I was 13, 14. I remember sitting down with her records or going to the Fillmore West in San Francisco and seeing her play 
And I was just like the hairs were standing up on my arms. And I was like, this is insanely soulful. So, you know, I was really moved by soul back then in blues. And I think now everybody thinks that they have to be like the fastest gun in the West. And but it's gotten so fast, Eddie. I mean, you know, I, w- I was known as the, the, the fast gun in the early 70s when I joined Santana. But then Eddie Van Halen came along, you know, mm. and I was like scratching my head going, what is going on, man? Right. And then all these other guitars that followed that with the tapping approach, you know, which enables you to, you know, go th- faster than the speed of light, um, which I never knew anything about. And I barely ever touch on it still to this day because I just feel like it was that thing and it should just be left alone, you know. Um but, but, yeah, I wish that they would tap in and more into the soul of the music, the older soul, because that's what lives forever to me. And that's what I'm missing in new music. You know, I'd love to be able to say I love this new artist. I love this. I love that. But I really, you know, I'm not moved that much. I hear bits and pieces that I do like, but I'm, I don't hear a whole combined effort like I did way back then. Yeah, there's a few out there. There's a few younger guys that I've heard and been turned on to recently. Their name escapes me at the moment who actually play with a lot of melody and feel like that. I got to hit a break, but be, and, and, and if you have a little more time, I want to talk to you a little bit. You did some covers on here I want to touch on after the break, but there's one guitar cool, player, Neil, I want to I ask you real quickly if you were a fan of. Were you ever a fan of Gary Moore? Absolutely. Gary and I were friends. I you were. I with him a lot. Uh, when he came through the Bay Area. And actually, the first time Journey ever played in London, uh, that's where I met him. He came backstage, and he was a fan of the first record, and very, very great guy, man. He became a very good friend. And when he would come through San Francisco, I jammed with him at the Cow Palace. And then we did Thin Lezzy and Journey together when Gary was in the band. And when he, because when he made, because his, he had a tone and a feel in his playing, but I love the heavy stuff he did back in the day. But then when he transitioned into doing blues and did that track, still got the blues and all that with that tone and that feel, I mean, he's just such an amazingly underrated player and uh, at least in America. And I hear, you know, I hear some of uh, which I'm sure he probably got from you to some degree, some of that tone and feel in his playing as well. You know, I think we all rubbed off on one another. I had great, you know, admiration and respect for him because uh, I just felt he was really deep in it. When I watched him play, he was lost. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. I mean, he was deep in it, you know. And yeah. that's, that's what moves me is when I see an artist that just has their eyes closed and reaching for the sky. You know, not necessarily looking at the neck, like what note can I hit? What note can I hit? It's like, you know, really just shut your eyes for a second and listen what's around you and read. Yeah, and another and another guy we lost that would fit that category that we lost very, very recently last week, as a matter of fact, Leslie West. Did Were you close with Leslie? I had met Leslie twice. Once in the very beginning, in the early 70s, I believe it was like 73 or 74, I went to Winterland and went backstage and uh, got introduced to him. And we sat down and we jammed for a bit. 
and then he came, it was wild. He came uh, to uh, a show that we played in Florida years ago. It was probably 10 years ago. No, more than that, actually. About 13 years ago, and he came backstage, and we hung out for a bit. I was like um, a total fan and mesmerized by Mountain. And really, the performance that was in Woodstock and the song uh, theme from an imaginary Western. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like he influenced me so much, you know, with his vibrato and not a lot of flash, but man, what tone and what soul. And, you know, less is more. He was the cat, you know, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And he just really like moved me. And I, I feel like he, his style really helped me come up with my own style, mixing that soaring melody with blues, you know, and actually holding on to some notes to make it sing, you know. And I did that dedication the other day to him and tried, you know, tried to loop something similar, you know, uh, you know, descending chords that would, you know, I could do that thing that he did on that song a bit. People were really moved by it, you know, and I, and I was moved by it. I ended up like, I, uh, I broke down in tears the other day, just like I, you know, I'm having a hard time getting over Eddie. But after I played that, I listened to it and I was like, wow, this guy was really tremendous. Yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that he had had that impact on you. There were guys like Eddie Van Halen, like Michael Schenker, many others that went on to yourself, of course, that went on to much greater commercial success, but uh, always looked up to Leslie for that reason. And I knew Leslie really well. He lived in New Jersey, not far from me. We were in touch just before he passed away, and it's a, it's a huge loss. And I spent a lot of time in the last week talking about him and the impact he had because I don't think enough rock fans realize – what a what a mark he made on a lot of guitar players. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it's, it's a shame that sometimes it takes um, for a brilliant artist like him to pass for people to revisit, you know, what they created. But right. I, I do feel that that music is going to have a resurge right now. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Neil, I'm going to put you on hold, and if that's cool, and if you have a few more minutes, and I want to talk to you about, I want to get a little more on, on where we're at with Journey and new music, and I also want to ask you, uh, there's a, cu- a couple other covers on this record that you did. One is is sort of like a full circle moment. Speaking of brilliant artists that passed away, uh, there is an, a stunning version of Purple Rain instrumental on Neil Sean's new album, Universe. Want to talk about that? You also did an incredible version of the Journey Tune Lights. Be right back with more with Neil Sean after this. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, are you paying out of your own pocket for gear you need to do your job? All kinds of departments across the nation, all those good folks, police, fire, EMS, medical workers on the front lines, even military units. Uh, You deal with constrained budgets, outdated gear, but there's still a job to do and you need the right gear to do it. Hunting for military first responder discounts has historically required going from one website to another creating multiple account logins just to make purchases. 
and jumping through various hoops to verify your service, don't you wish there was just one, one place where you could visit that had a carefully crafted selection of deals for military first responders in one spot? Well, folks, we got that answer for you because it is the place to go, and that place is no doubt about it what I'm about to tell you about, and that is GovX.com. GovX works directly with brands to negotiate the best price possible because you deserve the gear you need at the prices you've earned. Plus, you can trust that the gear you're ordering is 100% authentic direct from the manufacturers. Big general retailers, they don't care about you and your sacrifices as long as you're clicking on the add to the cart button. Not GovX. Got a huge collection of gear and apparel from popular brands all in one convenient location. GovX honors your service and gives back to your communities. So if you're an American of service, a current or former member of the military, firefighters, frontline medical or law enforcement communities, or the emergency medical communities, join GovX for free. And enjoy a community that honors and gives back to patriots like you. And if you got a military or a first responder background, you visit GovX.com. You sign up for free for instant access to tons of deals and a community that honors your service. And check this out. Use the promo code TRUNK15, T-R-U-N-K-15. You get $15 off your first order of $50 or more. That's an amazing deal. Just use my code TRUNK, T-R-U-N-K, 15, govx.com, G-O-V-X.com. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's Eddie Trunk. Let's get back to more of my conversation with Neil Sean right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Um, Neil, with the remaining time that we have, I do want to talk about two other things on the record, though. So the the Prince tune, I didn't put together until very recently the the connection there. And I'd read an interview, it might have been in Guitar World or something, with you, talking about how Prince was a huge fan of Journey. And I never put together until very recently the similarity in the Purple Rain solo to the solo you play in Faithfully. Talk a little bit about all that, if you will. Well, you know what? I had no clue that he was really in... Well, obviously, he was into that song because he connected with our management at the time uh, before he released you know, his record with Purple Rain as a single and was worried that you know Jonathan Cain, as being the songwriter of Faithfully, uh, that he could get sued because it was similar. And, you know, Jonathan talked to him and said, hey, I, I respect you just for, you know, calling me and asking me if it's okay. He says, good luck with the tune. It sounds like a hit to me. And, um, you know, and then later, uh, Larry Graham, you know, I had played with years before that, actually before I started uh, Journey, I was playing with Greg Enrico and Larry Graham from Flying the Family Stone. And then Larry ended up playing with Prince. The last time I saw Prince play in Minneapolis. And I was backstage with Larry. And, you know, I never really met Prince. He walked by 
walked right by me, and I was going to say hello, and he was in his shy mode, and he put, you know, the blinders on and nodded and kept walking. And I said, Larry, what's up, man? And he goes, oh, he's just really shy, man. It's no big deal, you know? Um, but then I found out through a friend of mine, Rick Barron, in Minneapolis that used to hang out with Prince, that he was actually a fan of my guitar playing. He said, you know, Neil Sean and Carlos Santana are two of my favorite guitar players in the world. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, but I found out this way after I had already recorded the song. And so years ago, right right before when he, right after he passed, we were going through uh, the Twin Cities and we played a huge Coliseum show there. And, you know, I always got a spot in the show where I can loop some chords or do whatever I want to do, sort of off the cuff and just improvise. And so that night I decided like about two minutes before I went on stage that I was going to do a little dedication to Prince. You know, and I was apprehensive because I knew that was his hometown and how much he was loved, and I didn't know what it would turn out like. But I think I sent you a story today that somebody did, and they have the clip yeah. from Minneapolis that I did, and that's where the whole thing kind of started from. Is I played that night, and I looped just with myself on stage, and the audience was really, really moved. And that stuck with me, and I said, man, I, I really feel like I want to, you know, pay tribute to him. And I love the song. Uh, and so I reached out to another producer friend of mine in Nashville, Gary Ciaramelli, that I did the voice record with years back that I got nominated for a Grammy. And uh, he's like brilliant with orchestration. He said, well, what do you want to do with it? And I said, just do it like the long version on the record. And so this was way before I started the record with Narda. I had some of this stuff in the can that I recorded over at Fantasy Studios when it was still open in Berkeley. And um, so I, I did my version of it, and it had, you know, synthetic machine drums on it that sounded very good, sounded like the record. Um, but then, you know, after we completed the, the five or six songs with Narda, uh, his original tunes, I said, I'd really like to add some of this other stuff that I have sitting in the can. And I think the mixture will be interesting for the record to have some songs that are classics. Uh, and I think it'll mix well with new stuff, a little bit of both, you know? And so that's what happened there. Um, and, you know, as you know, from that time period until now, there's been many guitarists that have covered Purple Rain. You know, Clapton, Jeff Beck, um, and many others that have tried that I've heard. But I went, oh, I think I'm sitting on it. You know, I went, I heard it and I went, wow, I think I really tapped into his spirit. You know, and I think he's definitely smiling down uh, upon me, you know, and giving me like a nod. And so, yeah, it's a special song. Uh, definitely moving to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant version of the song, and obviously the song itself is brilliant. And I'm thinking now, 
when you talk about Faithfully, it actually wasn't Guitar World and it wasn't you that I heard the Prince story in that you just explained. It was actually Jonathan Cain in his book writes about it and talks about now. Now I remember when I read Jonathan's book and I think I had Jonathan on to talk about it. He mentions how Prince actually reached out to him as the writer of Faithfully and said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to basically rip this off. Are you OK with it? And Jonathan was kind of like, hey, man, if you can make something of it, great. And of course, Prince did. But I never put that that whole guitar melody and the solo being so similar. I never until I read Jonathan telling that story in his book, realized the connection there and and how very close it is to what you play in Faithfully. It's amazing. It's wild, you know. I mean, even the whole story about Faithfully and how that song came in uh, to our path at, in the last hour while we were completing a record that was already done, Journey, you know, back then. And, you know, yeah. producer Mike Stone and Kevin Elson said, I think you guys need one more power ballad, uh, like a soaring ballad. And John came in. One day, you know, he had woken up in the middle of the night, the story goes, that he told me, and he wrote down, you know, the chords, and he wrote down every lyric, right? And he had the melody. So he brought it in to us, and when I first heard it, I didn't, I didn't know quite what direction the song would take, and then we started playing it, and I kind of charted it out, and it was the second take that we did when we didn't even know it, it ended up on the record. And I just kind of improvised my way through it. I did like those French horn lines that he later, you know, doubled with, with, uh, you know, like a French horn keyboard sound uh, and orchestrated it, you know, Uh, it's wild. Things just kind of happening off things that happen off the cuff like that. When you're in the studio with guys is usually the magic, you know, you can write brilliant stuff by yourself and you can put it together. Um, but usually when you're just, you know, you're not even expecting uh, what is going to come out and it does, it usually comes out with, with not even trying, you know, and, and that's usually the magic. So tell me where you're at with uh, New Journey Music, because throughout the time that we've talked to you this year, I know you've been, uh, you know, saying it's it's close, and uh, I think you're talking now about a song being really close too, right? So, is the album done? Where's the where's the uh, rollout as far as new music from from Journey? Okay, well, we have right now we have uh, six rockers and many many ballads. We have about 21 songs altogether that we continue to work on, and it's just a lengthy mm-hmm. process. Uh, because of the way we have to go about doing it with Zoom. And Arnell being in the Philippines, we get up in the middle of the night so he can sing, you know, from his house. Uh, but we're, we are definitely moving right through. We're going to release our first single in February uh, and has a video already done with it. And um, then we're going to release another single after that and then another single after that. And then before we hit, uh, the tour probably at the end of 21, I'm going to sort of guess, uh, definitely 22, um, we'll be on tour for, for probably the next four or five years after that. But, but um, you know, when, right before we go on tour, we're going to release the whole album. But it is sounding very amazing. And I don't even like blowing smoke about what I'm working on, but I, I feel like it's some of our best work. 
Is there anything you can tell the audience now about this first single and video that we're going to get in February? Uh, I'm assuming it's a rocker. I, I, I don't know if you can reveal the title yet. Is there anything you can say about it? It's, it's, yeah, I'm not only going to give you the title right now, but it's definitely, it correlates and, and lyrically uh, goes along with all we've been through in this last year. Everybody will be able to relate to it. Uh, it's a medium tempo rocker uh, that's, you know, hard rock with some blues in it. Uh, very, very hooky and catchy, but rocking, you know. And um, mm -hmm. I'm, I, it was the first song we did together. And I, I actually wrote it on the keyboards. It's kind of crazy. It was one of the loops that I did downstairs in my house while this whole COVID thing's been going on that I ended up just jamming over. And then I, you know, I took the guitar off and just listened to the keyboard loop that I made. And I was like, I sent it to John. Uh, Jonathan like wrote lyrics, bam. And he sang it, bam, sent it back. And I was like, wow, that sounds amazing. I love it. And so, you know, we, we still have a, a great connection uh, musically going on, him and I. There's definitely, you know, chemistry there. And um, it seems to be getting better, man. I mean, you know, there, we have a lot of great stuff just there that's waiting to be finished. I believe that Narda just worked on three more songs with RNL the other day. So that would put us at about seven, seven songs completed now, and four need to be mixed. Three are done. That sound phenomenal. And so um, we're moving right along. You know, and it's sounding very strong. Well, when it's ready to roll out, can't wait to talk about it and have you back on for it. Um, have you had any further dialogue or heard anything more about Steve Perry? Because he obviously has uh, been out there a little bit again as far as doing, I think, a re-record of his record, an acoustic version, and doing, I think he did a Christmas tune. It seems like he's semi-active still again. And last time we spoke, you you know, you you just said there was really no, no further dialogue. Has that changed at all? Or is he just basically on his trip and you're on your trip right now? You know, I'm always on everybody's trip and open <laughs> <laughs> when they want to come and open up their door, you know, uh, but it's remained the same as far as he is, you know, and, and um, I wish him the best, like I always do. And he's talking about touring again. I hope he does. And, um, you know, hope we cross paths at some point. And, and once again, it was great seeing him for the first time ever when we got inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, that was the last time we spoke. Yeah. And uh, for Universe, people who want it physically, CD, vinyl, what's the timetable on that and how can they get it? Is it your website or where, where should they go to, to buy it? Amazon, where's the, the distribution going to be for it? It'll be uh, everywhere, but definitely through my web as well. Um, I'll be doing some signed uh, double vinyl uh, copies of a, a custom package we're putting together. Um, that's going to take a little more time. They told me it's about 10 weeks out. Uh, CDs, though, I can get within the next week probably. And um, so I'm about, when I get done with, with um, the interview here, I'm actually jumping on with my guys that are running uh, my web and um, we've got all the figures and numbers worked out and I'm going to say order this amount and let's go. And so uh, it's coming right away. The CDs will be there probably within a week. 
Well, save me a CD. I'm all about the CD still, so I would love to get a I'll copy there. I'll send you one, man. It's a great driving record. Yeah, it really is. It's a great record for any time. It really is, and I'm, I'm really glad you put it out. And uh, I wish you the best with it. And, and you and your wife, I hope you have a, a wonderful New Year's. Uh, any celebration, or are you just, like most people, staying put and staying home? We're staying home. You know, neither one of us drink. And so, you know, to go, even when there was no COVID, we weren't into going out and hanging out and having everybody south like, you know, a half an hour into the party, you know, right. because when you don't drink, you just kind of, you feel like, okay, time to leave, you know? Right. And so we hang out and, and, and just enjoy each other. But uh, that's what we're going to be doing is we're, we're, you know, definitely staying safe and, you know, until uh, this COVID is over. And, yeah, if you uh, don't if you don't drink if you don't drink and you go out on New Year's Eve, everyone just seems instantly annoying. I would think it's. <laughs> I'm not it's, a big drinker myself, not, yeah. but it it's it's instant annoyance in about ten minutes. So I don't blame you for staying put. <laughs> yeah, but the good news is, you know, we enjoy ourselves all the time, and so uh, it's it's fine with us. Thank you, Eddie. Though, but you enjoy yourself. Happy New Year! Thanks for having me on. And this is your last show I know of the new year, but uh, or this 2020, yeah. and uh, looking forward to 2021 yeah. and 22, really. Yeah, but 2021 is definitely it's got to be better than this last year. That's uh, what I've been saying. I think it's gonna. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a transitional thing. I think a lot of people wishfully, hopefully, think that uh, the, the calendar changes tomorrow and, and everything goes away. I don't think that's quite the case, but let's hope it's on the upswing. And then by the end of the year, at least next year, we get to see great bands like Journey and all the other ones on the big stages that we miss and uh, uh, better things ahead for everybody. Neil, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate the time. And uh, you and your family have a great new year. Thank you, man. You should come to our show in Chicago. I'll, I'll email you the details. I may, I may look into that because if it's up, if if by that time we're up to getting ready to to do travel and stuff, I've I always go out. You know, I do this show from the road all the time, and I actually, you know, I don't even know if you know this. When you guys did the tour with Def Leppard, uh, you were you were rehearsing at the Meadowlands Arena, which is very close to my house. And the Leopard guys called me to come down, and I did the day they had the building, and I hung out with them, and actually did this show with them from the the, the rehearsal uh, live. Well, come do so, it with us. You know, I yeah. believe that we're going to be rehearsing somewhere in Chicago before we play the Lollapalooza and headline that festival. And so I'll let you know, and and you know, I'm sure the guys would love to see it and come by rehearsal, and you can. Yeah, sort of get a glimpse of what's going on before we actually jump on stage. Yeah, and we can rotate everybody in. That might be a fun thing to do. I guess we'll we'll, we'll let's keep our fingers crossed that it actually can happen by then, and we'll go from there. But uh, I appreciate that. That'll be something cool to look forward to. Well, my thanks to Neil Sean of Journey. Always great visiting with him and hearing from him. And uh, great stuff with that new album, Universe. Be sure to check it out. It is out now with physical versions coming very soon as well. Thanks to Katie Irizarry, the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you do so, however you do so. Back next Thursday for another all-new episode. Remember, follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, Instagram as well, eddietrunk.com, the website, also on Cameo. Have yourselves a great week, everybody. Catch you next Thursday. 